everybody and welcome to podcast number 62. Today I have with me a larger than life comedian from Hereford, bringing the funny to pubs and clubs all across the country. It's Big D Archer. Welcome Darren, thank you for joining us. Oh this is brilliant, it's good to see you, good to hear your voices finally. <laughs> I've heard many, many great things. I'm loving the podcast. I'm especially, I've got on recording at the moment, Jeff Innocent's one to listen to in the car later. I cannot wait. He's such a great guy. He's a very funny comedian. It, 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 yeah, and it was, it, that was a brilliant podcast, but we're going to make yours just as brilliant, Darren, I'm sure. <laughs> brilliant. So, so, so let's start at the beginning then. What actually attracted you to being a comedian? Oh, it was all the fine ladies, all the women you meet, you know. No, it was a case of, um, I, I've loved comedy ever since I was uh, younger, ever since I was a child. And when Hereford, 20 years ago, Hereford used to be a hub of comedy. We used to have some of the real great comedians come down. People like Jasper Carrot, Rick Mayer, Edmondson, the bottom duo would come down. And it, it used to make the town buzz with excitements. And then... Over the years, it kind of dissipated and we, we weren't getting those front room comedians in anymore. We weren't getting the big names down. So when a friend of mine started doing a comedy night in Hereford, he asked, would I be interested in coming along and seeing what it was like? And I really enjoyed it. It was raw. There was a lot of passion, a lot of energy in the room. And even though they weren't big names that you'd see on TV, they were brilliant. And they come from all over the place, from down in South Wales, all the way up in Manchester, just to perform in front of us, it was brilliant. And after watching it, he comes to me, my, my friend, and he's like, would you consider doing it yourself? Now, my friends have always considered me very funny, but it's your mates. They always laugh at your stupid jokes. So I was very, I said, if I'm gonna do this, I'll do this once and once only. And it'll be because I don't wanna tell anyone, I'll just come next month for the show and do five minutes. Yeah. And it, the weirdest thing happened when I went on stage to do my five minutes, people started laughing and they wouldn't stop laughing. And at the end of it, I ended up doing 10 minutes. I left the stage to a standing ovation of people I didn't know who just enjoyed what I brought to them. The electricity hits you. And it's an addiction I love every time I leave that stage. And it's been going ever since. I've been invited to some of the most amazing venues across the country. I've met some amazing comedians. I've met people who follow me on Facebook and YouTube and, you know, Instagram and all that. Uh, people who come out to venues to see me. And I think, why me? I'm just, just an ordinary guy. But it's, it's made me so happy to be part of this lovely world of comedy. It really has. And how many years have you actually been doing it, you know? So at the end of this year will be my fifth year. And it's, but obviously we've had COVID, oh dear, you know, it, it kind of, stopped it in her tracks for a bit and uh, up to uh, just before COVID, things were taking off for me. I was starting to get regular paid gigs. I was getting some really choice spots. I was starting to headline and my name was getting out there. And I thought, oh, this, this could be my future here. This could be something I do for a living. And then Boris ruined it. He does his speech. All of a sudden I get all these emails, <laughs> hundreds of emails canceling gigs and it destroyed me it really did and you know it's it's taken a long time to get back onto the horse I was very rusty but now I've stepped back into the limelight I'm doing more comedy again I'm you know shaking it loose and the feeling's coming back 
and I'm back again with people I love and just enjoying the company I meet, you know, the, whether it be in the green room or out in the audience. It's, it's so good to be back. And I don't want it to go now. I need it back. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we all need it back now, don't we? It's just one of those things you don't realise how much you're missing it until you get back. And on that first gig back, you go, oh, wow, this is this is life. So this is that's brilliant. So were you actually involved in any drama clubs or anything like that when you were in school or anything? Yes, I mean, I my first bit of uh, drama, it would have been back at secondary school at Hanley Swan down at St Pond Seven. And um, my drama teacher would do these very serious plays, very, a lot of emotion, a lot of dramatic scenes. And I was never, I, I, my favorite part of a, a, of a scene is the awkward silence. I used to love that. Who's gonna break that awkward silence first? And it was always me. I would always do something stupid, say something silly. And eventually my, my drama teacher realized that he wasn't going to get the best out of me because the material didn't reflect what we all wanted. We wanted to do a play that, you know, excited us, made us laugh and all that. And he introduced me to pratfalling and he showed me how to fall properly without hurting yourself. And we would do scenes like, like uh, four drunken guys walking down the street and I'd fall over a dustbin and, you know, and it would be scenes like that. And it got me interested in that side. But when I left school, I went and got into the boring life of jobs and retail and management. It left me. But then, like I said, my friend, I'm very lucky that he did, brought me back. He gave me a chance on a stage. And that's all it took was a chance. And it's reignited a passion in me that I, I absolutely love. I really do. So um, were your family or involved in entertainment or comedy at all? No, no, I mean, my family are all characters. They, they all somehow, a lot of the stories, the puns, the jokes I tell have some reminiscence of how my family are in real life. I do a lot of stories about how my mum can, you know, she sees certain situations a different way to others. But, you know, they've been a very loving, supporting family all great. I had a very tough childhood that meant I didn't really see uh, a very funny comedy side. And it's only in the past few years, they've realized that, you know, that I am funny. And since me going to all these places to do comedy, they've been wanting to be more interested in that side. They didn't understand the, the passion I had for it. And now they do. They're excited every time I talk to them about it. They're very involved in it. I love that part of it. So the more paid gigs, the more the parents think, oh, it's not such a bad idea after all. Yes. Yeah. My mum was always like, well, it's a lovely hobby, but so is sewing. I said, yeah, but you don't sew in front of 200 people. Well, you probably could. It wouldn't be that funny. But um, now that she goes, she saw on Facebook, like, oh, I'm headlining a gig up in Liverpool. And she'll just message me, goes, is that, is that, is that paid? I said, yeah, I'm getting a few quid for it. She goes, but I bet it's only a small audience. I said, no, it's probably gonna be about 200 people. You know, it's, it's very exciting. <laughs> so she wants to be super excited, but she doesn't want to show it straight away. She wants me to work <laughs> yeah. for it even now. Yeah. So has she seen you perform? She has, she's seen me. I, I always send her my videos whenever I can. And usually if my mum is laughing or especially when she says, that is not funny. I know I hit a nerve, so I'm on the right track. But yeah, she's always very forthcoming with her comments. As well as my dad, he's been very good about it. He's very laid back with it all. 
but uh, yeah, it's been good. So, and you're actually um, employed as a support worker for New Cross Health Care. That's right. Team. Yes. So, so yeah, carry on. So I, I've been um, in care work for the past oh, about six, seven years now, and what it was, I spent a huge chunk of my my job life in retail. And all these years ago, when I first got into retail, it was a fun job where it was about the client's experience. I was working in Halfords, I was working in QuickSave. There was never much to really worry. There was no stresses. It was just get the product out. Customers will eventually come in. I get paid at the end of the week and that was fine. But then things started to change. And when I became a manager, I was told I was not allowed to be too much uh, with the customers anymore. I was not allowed to be on the shop floor talking to them. I, I had paperwork to do. I was always locked in an office and I didn't enjoy it anymore. I, I, I hate being stuck in this little box for day in, day out and not having any interaction. And you, it just, it kind of, it killed me inside a little bit. It made me feel like it's just me for the next like 40 years until the eventual heart attack. I, I thought, I need to change something. And a friend of mine said, listen, I work with some autism and challenged behavior children up the road. Why don't you come to a shadow shift? See what it's really like. All, all those things you hear about, it's not true. Or the, you know, when your friends go, oh, you're going to be wiping asses all day. It's, it's nothing to do with that. It's about bringing something to these kids that they don't have. And it's like taking them out for the day and, you know, showing them the world around them. And it's, you know, things have changed. 20 years ago, a lot of these kids and young adults, they were in these, uh, these homes far away and away from friends and families and the rest of the community. And it was horrible that we used to treat them like that. And now we get to take them out. We go swimming. We, we go on long hikes. We go shopping. And it, it's after one shadow shift, I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to enrich someone else's life bring them out into the community and enjoy things with them. And whether it be just going for a pint at the pub or going into town to do a big shop and see the latest film in the cinema, that's what I wanted to do with them. And I enjoy it. It's, it's mentally tiring some days. It's physically tiring some days, but it, it's so rewarding. The good days outweigh the bad. And I work with some amazing people who bring a lot of love and life into these people's lives. I enjoy it. I, I implore anyone to give it a try. I saw you at the stables the other day. Presumably that was with them. Yes, not, it, was, it was a really nice day, that was. Yeah. Not your personal stables having had a career in comedy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, um, it's a local RDA set up down by the river and it was a beautifully warm day and they, uh, we bring a load of kids down to ride the horse and all the horses have been specially trained to be very accepting of people with whether it be mobility issues, whether it be emotional issues. So they're very caring. They're used to being poked and prodded. But um, the one lad I was with, we um, we brought him over to this one horse and his name was Chunky. And this huge head of a horse came down and just nuzzled in his lap. And this lad who, who really struggles sometimes with his emotion, just gave this horse's head a huge hug. Oh, and it just it melted we took photos sent off the family saying oh he was absolutely amazing and it, it just melted our hearts that brief moment he got to live that moment and it was thanks to us i it's one of my most like, favorite times i get very passionate about it yeah. so so a sense of humor must be essential in one of those jobs definitely i i see 
I see a lot of tough things in life um, when it comes to looking after these kids. Um, I've looked after adults. I've looked after kids with challenging behavior. They don't want to see someone with a sullen slap face who comes in every day, bringing their problems to them, looking down and depressed. They want that security that you're bringing a bit of sunshine, a bit of humor, a bit of life into their lives. They haven't chosen to be in this position. You have. So when you step into their home, and that's where you are, in their home, you know, you get treated like a member of the family. You, you, you want to make sure that their time with you is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, you might be a bit down, tired, depressed or whatnot. But when you step through that threshold, you try and build yourself up. You think about the positive you, and you just step through. So what sort of um, style would you say your comedy was, Darren? Well, it's taken a few turns it has, because when I first started, I, I, I got asked to do a lot of my bad date stories. And I used to have some really just phenomenally bad dates that were quite lengthy stories that um, generally involved me doing something very silly or misunderstanding or just taking things too far. And it got to a point that everywhere I seemed to go and try new material, they were like, whoa, 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 can you just do the date stories for us? And for a good year and a bit, everywhere I went, everyone wanted to hear the next date story, the bigger data story, you know, which was your worst date, which was, the f- and that's what I got known for a long time as that bad date comedian, which was great, but I wasn't evolving. I wasn't developing it for myself. So I started doing other stories about family, friends, you know, try and do like a reminiscent style comedy of what I was like growing up and some of the situations I got into. Uh, I, I do bring a lot of puns and innuendos into my my, my comedy stories. And I, I realized that I try to be more, um, talk more plainly. I'm not a blue comedian, but what I try and do, mm-hmm. I try and sneak a bit of cheapness into there. So every now and again, I might use a rude word, but I build up to it. I'm not in your face. So um, over the past, especially the past couple of years, I've gone on more of a shorter stories with puns in, in the middle of them all. And it seems to work really well. I still get asked to do a lot of the bad date stories, which is still really nice. Um, I did a radio show the other day for a friend of mine and he just you know, wanted to go back to all those years and we kind of bounce stories off each other. And it's quite nice to go back to some of the old material. Mm-hmm. But um, I quite like where I am at now. I mean, I'm trying new stuff. With COVID, you know, I've had all this time on my hands. So I've been doing a lot of writing for other comedians. I've been doing a lot of writing for myself. And uh, yeah, I'm trying new stuff all the time, which is good. But you, you're on the road soon. You're going to be quite busy soon, aren't oh, you? Yes. Ever since, you know, this, you know, there's the light at the end of the tunnel, we could possibly be going back to some kind of normality, whatever it is. My, my diary is just bumping at the moment. It's, I, I didn't understand what happened. It was like someone flipped a switch to one day. I started getting calls, emails, messages on Facebook. Can you do this gig? Can you do this gig? Can you... And all of a sudden, I, I, I was fully booked. I, I'd gone from only doing, say, uh, about uh, six, seven gigs a month to doing all of a sudden only 15 gigs a month. And it just kept coming. So I've had to be obviously a bit more restrictive, but my diary is now booked pretty much all the way up till, uh, oh God, about December. But I have got more bookings in January and February now, which is great. 
so I just don't know what happened. I, I have been putting out some material every now and again. I didn't do any of the online, you know, like Zoom comedy nights because I didn't enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I did one where it just felt like I was talking to, I was just like talking to the mirror with my, you know, with my comb mm-hmm. in my hand. I was fully dressed at the time, but it was a case of, I just, it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel right. There was no audience. I, I love having audience interaction. You know, the gasps, the laughs, the giggles. So I, I didn't do any more after that. But I did put a bit of material out, a few sets. I started doing a few things on TikTok and that. And it got the buzz around. And then when I got asked to do uh, an opener over in Worcester uh, for uh, Dave Flynn, very funny comedian, he asked me, would I open for it? So I opened the show really rusty, quite wooden, and it, it went really well. I got such a huge reaction. So many people who'd come out to see me, see how I'd been and ask me all these questions after, the, after my set. You know, it was great. It was. It felt good to be back. And since then, it's been on a roll. I've got my, I'm getting headliner spots in now. I've got my Brighton coming up now. I've got gigs from Hull all the way down to... Portsmouth down to uh, Torquay. The next so many months, it's going to be very busy, which is nervous. I'm excited for, and I can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> so quite a few of our listeners will actually be in Brighton. And oh, yes. you're go- so you're going Wednesday, is it next week? That's right. So um, basically a fellow comedian friend of mine, Griff, I believe you might know him. Okay. He's, he's such a funny guy. He's doing a a Brighton show. I've seen his preview shows. It looks amazing. You've got some amazing comedians on there. You've got uh, Leanne Easthope on there with him. They're doing um, a few nights down at the Claxton Arms, which is going to be great. And he phones me up and says, any chance I can get you to be a special guest on our nights. And when it comes to Griff, you can't say no, because he'll talk to you under the table every time. So I said yes. And I'm very excited because been a long time since we've been in a crowd of comedians like that and i know brighton at the moment it's full of comedians full of people wanting comedy it's great to go down and see it's gonna be a very good show so do check it out so check it out and darren will be there on wednesday with griff so uh, right. if you're in brighton that's the caxton arms is the place to be graham have you got anything that you'd like to ask darren yeah darren so you had to who do you watch on telly or on on Zoom or not Zoom, or who do you actually watch to say, God, that's something I need to say, that's brilliant? Well, uh, comedians I watch online. I've only recently got into things like my podcasts. So about a year ago, someone sent me a link for uh, Tom Segura, Burt Crusher's uh, Two Bears, One Cave. I started watching it and I loved it. It was such a good bounce of humour. That led on to uh, Bad Friends. That led on to a lot of American style comedians. So I, I asked around about, is there any, you know, is there any British versions? And Have a Word was the one everyone talked about straight away. You got to listen to Adam Rowe, Dan Nightingale's Have a Word. And I tell you what, it's been addictive listening. So I'm getting really into my podcast. Your podcast especially has been absolutely good to learn, not just about what people are doing at the moment, but learning a bit of a backstory with other comedians. You're really hitting a nail with that one. So that has definitely been a huge inspiration to me and what people are doing, what they're looking for. You know, it's, it's great. It really is. Podcasting has given a, a new platform for a lot of comedians to get their words out there. So I'm listening. I mean, I drive all over the place and I'm listening to dozens and dozens of shows every week. 
and it's brilliant. It's very enlightening and it's exciting to know that that's, it's out there at the moment. Brilliant. And if, if you had a, a, a chance, you know, if, let's say the BBC was to come along to you and say, Darren, here's a million quid. What are you going to give us? What oh, would you do? Okay. Well, I, I was asked about this uh, for a writer's group a while back. They were looking for some ideas. Now, I, I quite like the idea of going back to some of my date stories. The idea of being uh, a man of my stature, my size, in this new modern world where you, you can't say the right things all the time. You know, you sh what, what's the right definition for this sexuality? What's the, you know, trying to be, uh, you know, the normal, larger white guy like I am in this new modern world it's a scary place so I wanted to see how it would be to do a sitcom of dating in this modern world for someone who is a bit old-fashioned still believes in the old ways but who gets gets um, presented to this wide opening world of you know all these different sexualities gender terminology technology uh, you know it, it I thought this this would be amazing to try out so I, we were writing a few little, uh, few little mini series for it, coming up with some skits. Uh, I, I think there's definitely something there, something that'd be quite reminiscent of the old way of dating, being introduced to the new way of dating, which a lot of people coming out of COVID at the moment, you know, it, it's a lot of new things out there that are quite scary. So it'd be almost like a, an ABC of what to do when it comes to modern dating, I think. Yeah, now a big guy, with massive big feet because you go on about your feet all the time oh yes and um and that's where the big d doesn't come from because it stands for darren big darren but what happened to rugby how can you be that big and not be in rugby from wales i uh, well basically i used to play rugby for many years and then i had a number of very bad injuries on my knees especially and i was given a choice of doing uh, a long road of recovery back or having some several bad injections and operations to fix the problem and I choose the latter now what eventually happened was I got out of that routine of going down the gym every single day with your mates you know and um, it kind of slowly slipped away then work got involved and then it got pushed instead of being a priority in my life it got moved away and I really enjoyed rugby you know it, it was a hell of a sport and hell of a teamship to be in I mean, um, I was a right winger. I was fast. I was a big guy. Uh, hitting me was like hitting a brick wall at speed. I used to really yeah. enjoy it. Um, but when I stepped away, I put on a lot of weight. I got a bit bigger. And priorities change, like they always do when you get a bit older. Do you, do you, do you think your um, style will suit, let's say, the American comedy scene is that going to? Well, do you think that will be an aim eventually? To oh, let's see, yeah. once you get a bit bigger, to get over to the state side. Well, I hope I don't get too big because uh, <laughs> they have to carry me. <laughs> but um, no, I've already been told I can't crowd surf anymore. You know, they told me to. They told me to put a good impression on things. It didn't mean sit on their face. But um, <laughs> generally, it's it's a case of when I see the typical American comedy at them. There's a lot of, you know, young, good-looking people that seem to fit into this certain demographic. And some of the older comedians, I used to love, like, Ralphie May. He was a huge mm -hmm. comedian, so funny. And he would, he would talk to any person the way they should be spoken to. He never let anyone say, you can't say this, you can't say that. And comedy like that is a dying art. Now it, you have to be fashionable, you have to be trend-setting. 
you'll be, you know, young, you'll have the hairstyle. It's very uh, materialistic, which is a shame because it takes away from the natural character that you're bringing. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a big comedian. I put a lot of jokes. I'm very self-deprecating, but it's who I am. I, I've never, I'm never told someone, you know, you're, you've got to lose weight to do this. You've got to change that to do that. If this is who you are and you're happy with it, then own it. I'm a big guy. And when I walk on that stage, I'm a larger than life comedian and everyone can see me. I got my big size 16 feet on me. This is me. You've come to see me. I'm not going to pretend to be anything else. Yeah, I, I can actually, I can say this, Darren. I've, I've watched a lot of your videos now and listened to a lot of your stuff. And I really am looking forward to you coming down. I, it's, it's, it's a big one there. I can actually say that I, you're, the way you actually, you tell jokes, but they're about you. Hmm. And they are just emotionally funny about real world situations. And it's great stuff. Can't wait to see you, okay? I can't wait to come down either. Everyone's telling me what great nights you're running. You know, you're taking over the South. It, it's so <laughs> exciting to see. My biggest worry coming out of COVID was we weren't gonna see any new exciting nights coming up. And I've been completely made wrong by it. We're seeing some great talent rising up. We've got some great nights coming. We've got some amazing promoters. I talk to comedians every single day and we're all networking again. You know, something I'm very proud to be a part of is this trying to make a comedy for everyone. So if you're a new style comedian and you're looking for help and support, I want you to get in touch with me. There are comedians out there who will offer help and support and that's how it should be. It's not a closed off society. It's not about the 1% anymore. It's about the 99% showing that we're here. Comedy is for everyone. And that's how I want it to be. So I look after a lot of comedians who come to me and ask me for help, for writing, for PR, for advertisement. And I, I love it because we're all helping each other and we're passing that message on now. And that's what I want comedy to be. It's not all for one it's all for everyone now. Yeah. No, so, that, that is the way forward, Darren. That definitely. Yeah. I, I think. I think if we don't all work together, I don't know what's going to happen to comedy. So well, that's, um, that's, that's brilliant. And people can follow you. Can I know you're coming to us on the 31st of July at the Corner House, which is brilliant. But how can people follow? Have you got a, an actual page, website page with all your dates on? Or so um, I, I generally, what I'm generally using Facebook. Uh, I got my page big. D Archer Comedian is on there. I have got my Instagram, which is Big D Archer. I've got my oh, Twitter, which I'm still trying to work out. I'm on TikTok. You put in Big D Archer, you will find me on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you can. Any and I call media. you, get in touch, talk to me. I love talking to fans. I love talking to comedians. It's exciting times. Well, that's brilliant. Darren, thank you very much for joining us today. And thank you, listeners, for listening. As they there, we'll carry on talking. But for now, listeners, bye. This has been a podcast recording for a whole lot of comedy.